Yes, those are the kind of songs that I remember, and I will never forget. Thank you, Janet Lee, for the spiritual feeling that I get when I hear you play. And hello, everybody out there. Well, today is a day we are on a journey, and we want to put some holy fire into your mind today so that those thoughts will be like excitons of the atoms, and they will put a breezeway through you, the kind of breezeway that it talks about in the book of Acts. And suddenly there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. The God winds, no less. We'll start off by answering um, three questions that J.J. has rendered here for me to answer. Uh, it's always possible I will repeat one that I've already answered if uh, the text of the question sort of fits in uh, to what I'm expecting to speak on. Are the Enoch humans fallen Ophidim angels like us? Absolutely. They were raptured up before the flood. They were humans on the earth. They're part of the lineage going back uh, uh, to, to, um, uh, to Adam. And um, <clears throat> so the whole thing is very, very important to, to understand that. Um, do they recognize Yaviel and acknowledge Un's lordship? Absolutely. Um, is Yaviel living with them? Well, not living with them any more than he is living with us. Uh, his, um, his presence of the physical body he has is uh, with Michael the Archangel in Orion. Second question, which is number nine, that was number seven. Um, do all do do the Hebrews, or did the Hebrews all meet up in the desert with Moses after leaving Egypt in ranks? Yes, I have taught that, and they met at Petra, which is uh, the city of the rock. Uh, the original name was Sila, which has really, really beautiful meanings. And uh, they met there, and and that that was also a place of of wisdom, where different people of wisdom are recorded in the Bible as having uh, meetings. And then the last question. Uh, do we have any idea what Moses and the people did in the desert for 40 years? Did they just wander around? Well, no, they, they didn't just wander around. Uh, they had training that they had to go through as far as being able to be soldiers. Uh, they had some wars that they fought. They had a um, lot of, uh, you know, physical family uh, things that they, they had to build for a living and and uh, uh, you know animal care uh, animal husbandry, um, and there was a lot of spiritual things which, during the teaching of this uh, book, lost book of the wars, I hope to cover. Uh, you sh when we get done with this lost book of the wars, 
you'll know a lot of things that will answer questions like that. Um, one of the things that we're going to be uh, telling is um, in this lost book of the wars, Revelation, is how that the angel of the Lord, how the angel of God went before the children of Israel. And what are some of the things uh, that, that God did that changed the balance and the character of those wars over to the winning side of the children of Israel under the uh, tutorage of uh, Moses and Joshua? That will be part of this whole teaching before we end up finishing with uh, this series. All right. So remember, in the meanwhile, all that is going on is still from the cooperation of things shared between the angel of the Lord to Moses. And we still picture in this uh, envelope of so much incredible insight and information that <clears throat> Moses is just almost in a sub-addition as he is receiving all of this word. And this word is going into him at a pace faster than the normal memory uh, can have carriage of. But there is a spiritual thing that is happening uh, in his, uh, you know, hippocampus that is allowing him to, to have an imprint and memory of these things and a knowledge of these things uh, that in just an average way of listening, he would not have been able to retain and comprehend. And so we can have the explanation then of this incredulous quantity of, of information that he was receiving, that, that uh, many aspects of it was in a form of spiritual density. And he was concentrating that spiritual density. And, and it, it's, it's uh, the a miracle every bit as much as the, the parting of the Red Sea or, or uh, many of the actions of the rod that were used for signs and miracles. Uh, perhaps the greatest of all uh, was this thing of the word that he was receiving and how that it was uh, being broadcast into his memory cells. It's a beautiful thing. We'll talk a little bit further on that, but it's a beautiful thing. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And, and that, that makes it, you know, like almost a second uh, entity. In the beginning was the Word, and that has a carriage, and the Word was with God. Not that in that point, at that first setting, was the Word was God. So there is a, a small amount of spatial differentiation that is allowed there for when the word goes out from God and becomes a separated thing uh, from his first presence via going out by the Holy Spirit presence. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And that is what is so beautiful to characterize and to not miss that, that interlude in which the Spirit goes out of the first domain because the first presence of God never leaves the first domain. He is too holy. He is too perfect. He is too ultimate to look upon some of the evil in this and, and the subduction zones. 
but he, he he gets the information in the spiritual way that he gets it and understanding it via the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then <clears throat> that that reminds us, you know, in First Chronicles twenty eight, uh beginning of verse verse eleven. It says, Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch, and of the houses thereof, and of the treasures thereof, and of the upper chambers thereof, and of the inner parlors thereof, and of the place of the mercy seat. The place of the mercy seat. You can have a mercy seat, but if you don't know where the place goes, then you can have it out of position. If it's out of position, you have not been diligent as to knowing or having re, uh, continued until you received the positional placement because everything in the revelation of God has to do with a balance. And the patterns of all that he had, verse 12, by the Spirit. Now, it's very, 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 very important to understand that this revelation that uh, was being received by David uh, was being received of all that he had by the Spirit. And he goes on with the list. Everything that was said and everything that is yet to be said of the courts of the house of the Lord and of all the chambers around about of the treasures of the house of God and of the treasures of the dedicated things also for the courses of the priests and the Levites, and for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the vessels of the service in the house of the Lord. And he gave of gold by weight for the things of gold, for all instruments of all manner of service, silver also for all instruments of silver by weight. Now, there would be a different um, weight that had to do with things that were uh, made golden. And that differentiation would be between the things that were to be made silver because there was a symbolic different meaning between those two. And we'll get uh, to the point that I'm trying to, to show you how that these weights and measures have everything to do with the building of, 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 the, of the church and of the tabernacle. And, and of the plan of God. And then all of those things are metaphorical and symbolic of the spiritual reality and the physical reality. Blessed be the name of God. <coughs> all right. So let me read a little more. Verse 15. <clears throat> well, let's read verse 14. And he gave of gold by weight for things of gold for all, for all instruments of all manner of service. Now, don't get into a rut and think that there's just one kind of a service. The Bible speaks about, you know, differences of administration, but yet by the same spirit. And this differences of administration ties into all manner of service. There's different ways that that God is going to work in his revelations. Don't get into a high mold, mode, M-O-D-E, a high mode of, uh, of uh, conclusion in which you have this uh, personal and maybe doctrinal rever uh, referendum that everything has to look uh, uh, like a nose 
or that everything has to look like an ear, or that everything has to look like an eye, or that everything has to speak like a mouth, or that everything has to have two legs, uh, so that you are um, crystallizing your belief uh, and your doctrines uh, based on it fitting uh, the pattern that you think it should be, or that your church thinks it should be or that your doctrine that is collective of different things you have received and, and perceived uh, as what you think it should be. When in fact, the real true message, the real divine inspiration, is about that the pattern of all that, that was received and shown to David, uh, verse 12, was by the Spirit. And if you haven't got that as your spiritual bottom line, uh, then you are messing around in a muddy river. You have not the clarity. You have not the unction. You have not the anointing that you should have. You're, you're all into the lesser fields of, of that type of spiritual gravity. And, and it's not enough to allow you to walk on water. You might start to walk on water, but you'll go down because you haven't got the everything that you need to give you the force of carriage. Let's go on. Even the weight of gold, gold, see, even the weight for the candlesticks of gold, even, it, it, it's, it's, it's accentuating and punctuating the causation that even such things that might seem to be minor, they're only going to have a thin, a thin coat, a coat of gold, perhaps on the holders or whatever. Uh, even them, there is an importance and, and for the lamps of gold by weight, and for every candlestick, and for the, the lamps thereof, and for the candlesticks of silver by the weight, both for the candlestick and also for the lamps, according to the use of every candlestick. Someone says, well, what do you mean according to the use of every candlesticks? They were just there uh, collectively uh, to, to give light, or they were just there... Um, one maybe perhaps lit every day representing a different day or yeah hey don't get too much in the in the diminuendo diminuendo of some kind of conclusion in which you think something has less because you don't see the relativeness of it um there is a use for every candlestick because there is a meaning that differentiates one candlestick from the other and when we get into to Revelations and we see about these candlesticks and how uh, deep in the Revelation that they are symbolic of, we begin to understand that the real message here is far deeper, far more promoting of an uh, association of mental heights uh, that is in the presence of God than just what a person might uh, find by searching the, the common uh, roadways and, and the common uh, uh, visitation ways uh, of occasional prayers or even the, the, the common meeting places. And by weight, verse 16, he gave gold for the tables of the showbread for every table, likewise silver of the tables of silver, also of the, of the gold for the fish, uh, flesh hooks and the bowls and the cups and the golden basins. He gave by weight every basin. You, you don't say, well, these three basins are used the most. We will be real 
delicate and careful with the weight of those. No, no. Every basin has a proportion. And every proportion has a message. And every message can be anything from an exhortation to a prophecy or to a divine connection uh, singularly or collectively. And for the altar of incense, refined gold by weight, and the gold for the pattern of the chariot of the cherubims, woe, that spread out their wings and cover the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Now, there was a message in the weight, and, and there was an understanding in the meaning on the altar of the incense, refined gold by weight, refined, and the gold for the pattern of the chariot of the, the cherubims. Now, this is a double plural, because the word cherub is singular, and the word cherubim without the S, the word cherubim without the S is plural. When you add an S to the plural cherubim, you double it. And so there is a double meaning there. And that goes along with the intrigue and with the uh, spiritual insight of proposition that we showed you in Eden where the flaming sword and there was two swords flaming, both were cherubims, but one was being held by by those under the angel of the Lord and the other was being held by those under the cherub uh, Lucifer. And David said to Solomon his son, be strong and of good courage. Okay, now that was verse 20. And I wanted to hit that first before I read you verse 20, verse 19. Because this is very, very important. <clears throat> verse 19. And this, comma, said David, comma, the Lord, capital O, capital O, Uh, pardon me, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, meaning the Tetrachromaton, the four letters, whether you interpret it as meaning Yahweh or Yahweh-El or some other name uh, like, like Jehovah, made me understand, now hang and hold on this, I want you to get this, you know, if you need to, uh, spiritually bore out your ears a little bit. Let's do it. And this said, David, the Lord made me understand, made me, M-A-D-E, like you make something, like you create something. Sometimes when we receive something from God, it's more than just a, a prophecy. It's more than just a, a scripture. It's more than just an exhortation. It's a lattice change. That word is coming into you, and as it's coming into you, it's being it's being inscrolled and imprinted upon you, so that it's becoming a part of that part which is a part of you. And so it's 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 you know like he he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. It's being made to lie down in green pastures because your normal way of thinking, your uh, habitual way of doing things, is just not going to get you up the road. So the Holy Spirit has to come in and take charge. And like that sudden wind, 
It's going to blow you over uh, uh, if you resist it, and it's going to fail you if you receive it. Bless the name of God. So God's wanting you to be filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to receive this word. Now, we're not done yet with verse 19. And, and this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, in writing. He made me understand in writing. He made me understand, made me understand in writing by his hand upon me even all the works of this pattern. The Bible tells us there's things written. The, the Bible tells us that, the, that the, the sentence of death is written in every person. The Bible tells us that the day will come that God will write on the fleshly tables of our heart. This word will be insignified within us. This was already happening back in the time of David. God was writing into him just like when the finger of God came from out of the heavens and wrote upon the tables of stone. First was written the ten words that were from the blessings of God. Second was written, with the exception of the first two commandments, the words that were under the mountain of curse, of which the Bible says that the law of sin and death is different from the law of grace. And that there is death in those curses. But there is life and forgiveness and grace in the blessings. So when the people sinned and the tablets were broken, it was like something very interesting happened. The other day, I was on my computer and I was looking in the Facebook on some things, and a person had written something, and it sounded like, you know, what he was saying was pretty negative toward me, but I knew this fellow. So I called him, and I said, what are you doing? What are you, what are you saying here? Are you saying XXXX? And he says, oh, no, I would never say anything negative about you. I said, well, the way you wrote it, and the way you did the punctuation, that makes it sound like that. So he wanted to be on the Facebook. I brought him in as a friend on the Facebook. And then there's a, a little button that's made available to the people whose Facebook it is. And you can take, and without erasing it, so that it's always available there if you wanted to look it up, you can press this button and it disappears. It becomes invisible. And yet it is still there. But the person who's the controller, the person who is in the, the driver's seat, the person who is in the, the anointing of having that job and is the chieftain of that particular site, he can press that button and it'll come back on. Well, that's how we try to explain the Invisible Bible and how that that those same things that were written of the blessing, they're still there. But they're invisible to the average person because a button's been pressed. But there is a holy spot place like when God said to Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. 
You're being able to see the invisible that other people can't see. You're being able to see the transparent that other people can't see. Talking about transparent. Just recently, scientists have made an advance with this invisible cloaking and transparent type of thing. And they were working on the brain of a mouse. And so they have this thing called Clarin. And this Clarin thing has, you know, everything from formaldehyde in it and a whole bunch of other things I don't like the sound of. But when it's used a certain way, instead of having to cut the brain up and, and sever it to be able to, to try to go in with cameras underneath to find out what's happening in the brain, they now can just coat it with this special Clarin and the whole brain will turn transparent. And they can see right through the brain without cutting anything all of the actions and the things that happen in the brain to the mouse. They could do this with a human. Not on me, they're not going to. But it just goes to show that the train of thought, the, the actuation of certain happenings in which the, the, the people of the world are moving towards certain momentums is right there. And the, the dot spot that puts a period on something and the colon double dot that opens up a vastness of all of the addendums is right there. And the happenings that are happening is all involved in the weight of the patterns of God, in the plans of the patterns of God. In that pattern, there is, a, there is the story of the seven candlesticks and all their meanings. There is the story of the cherubims. There is a story. And this all has to do with things that are really about the temple. So like when we go over and we look in, in the book of Revelations, and, and it's just so very interesting, because when we read in the book of Revelations, chapter 21, verse 16, and the city lieth four square, and the length of it is as large as the breadth. Okay, let's read that again. And the city lieth four square, and the length of it uh, as large as the breath, and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. 12,000 furlongs, um, and the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Now, you have a, a, a length, you have a breadth. But it can only be a measurement, a pattern, as it is equal to the height. And that height represents the spiritual aspects. That doesn't mean there's not a physical count there too. But that height also, at the same time it has a, a physical aspect, it has a spiritual aspect. And the summation is set up so that the width is going to be equal to the, to, to the length. And the width and the length, they are going to be the same as the height. Now that's a very spiritual spiritual thing. And as we begin to understand these numbers like 12,000 uh, furlongs, and we begin to look at verse 17, and he measured the wall thereof, 
144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. Now, because a cubit is measured, you know, from the elbow and the hand, and the, and, and the, the distance between, between one end to the other end, and different men have different lengths of arms and, and lengths of hand. So the connotation and the concept is that there is on the physical side the physical application of cubit. But on the spiritual side, there is also the angelic aspect so that we're not dealing with an assortment of different um, philosophies, uh, innuendos, uh, conceptualities of different people based on according uh, to what their particular natures are via the links of the cubit as applying to the differences of their physical complexities and capabilities and physical aspects. And so, as we begin to see that, and as we begin to real realize that, we see then all these things are not accidental. This is talking about, in verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to this great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It's going to come down and have a physical placement, a physical position. But where it's coming from is by the Spirit out of heaven from God. And that heaven doesn't mean the heaven of heavens. It's talking about another place of space somewhere in the universe. And we know that to be the Father's house. And this has all then got a message. So when we we go back into the Bible and 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 we look at the seventh chapter and it starts talking in the seventh chapter about the different uh, tribes and of each tribe starting in verse 5 there is sealed 12,000 so that you got the 12,000 furloins and then it goes on and it names them all until what you've got is 12 times 12, which is 144,000. And so, the, so that 1,000 then becomes relative, you know, to where there's 144 cubits. The cubits are representing this 1,000 this because it's a measurement not by man, but by an angel, even though it is using figuratively the aspect of the human part. So then we see beyond the shadow of a question of a doubt that this 144,000 which represents people is also used metaphorically and symbolically to represent the walls of the city. Now the message is there and it's, it, it's, it's a spiritual one. And I had said that I was going to touch on, on that subject. And that's what I wanted to do. And I want you to get this down. I want you to get this into the understanding.
that there is something in the Bible that's incredible. When God spoke to, 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 to David, and he says, look, David, I don't want you building this holy place. And David said, why, Lord? I've been following your instructions. I've, I've gotten all this information together and everything that you said to get to. He says, yes, but you've been doing my work, not your work when you do that. So he says, now I'm going to make you I'm going to make you to understand something. Not by your flesh, because you are a bloody man. You have you've done some dastardly things. You've taken a lot of lives. So I'm not going to use you to build a temple. But I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. I'm going to make you become receptible to a lattice change. And I'm going to write in the tissues of your heart with my hand this message so that the message that you pass on to your son is not going to be from you, but it's going to be from my written hand message inscribed into your body. Blessed be the name of God. We praise Jesus. We magnify the Lord. We thank the Lord for his word. His invisible Bible that is right here in this Bible that you read every day. Hopefully you read it every day. It's right there. There's just got to be, and this I'm going to close and take a break with this, it's got to be that high priest that Ezra said, and the priests of God said, would have to be raised up, who could press that button, who could have the Urim and the Thummim, and who could open up that book so the people that were written in the Lamb's Book of Life could be known. God bless you. We're taking a five-minute break. Janet plays the organ.
again, thank you, Janet Lee. Okay, let's just uh, got to hurry along here, but this thing on the on the the temple is so important. You know, there's been these different temples that have been destroyed. Uh, you know, there was Solomon's temple, um, Nehemiah or Herod's temple, and uh, they had to haul in rock and dirt just to have enough space to build the temple. So it would fit in with, with these certain particular uh, perimeters. But Ezekiel, who was really, really involved with with this vision of, of seeing cherubs and ophanims and uh, the, the Zith ministry, uh, he, he saw uh, the measurement uh, of, of, of the temple that his, revel his revelation and vision provided. And uh, <clears throat> it certainly is not the size of either, either the Solom Solomon, uh, Nehemiah, or Herod's uh, temples. Uh, it is large, larger. It is much, much, much bigger I mean, it is really, really a huge size temple, and so it is that. It is that temple coming down from, from heaven, um, and and uh, it is that uh, uh, that dome city, that is going to be coming out of heaven, uh, you know, and uh, it's it's just wonderful to really come into the the measures measurements of God and to understand these things from the measurements of God. And um, we we have a lot more eventually to say about all of that. But I think we we made the point and and we know that, that uh, as in our teaching that Lucifer was involved in on the fifth day of generation and uh, that um, uh, and when it speaks of these things in Revelations 9, uh, beginning with verse 1, uh, when the fifth angel sounded, and how that, uh, that the key to this bottomless pit, which became Satan's prison, and I read that to you last week, it was his prison, and, uh, but he had to agree to abide by some certain understandings uh, to limit uh, his uh, exercise and 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 uh, his uh, domination, and the Bible says that if these kind of agreements had not been made, that there would have been no flesh saved, and so uh, there's all a reason why all of these things happen, uh, and we we have to not forget that, and we have to certainly remember it. Okay, so uh, we don't we don't want you know to have you forget about how the what the really war is about Ephesians 6:12 is between the principalities it's not flesh and blood that is that is the real war in heaven uh revelations 12 verse 7 and uh and we must not forget in revelations 11:15 uh the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of the lord which means that before they came the, became the kingdoms of the lord which is not slated as happening until some way you know deep into the book of revelations uh, they obviously, uh, the kingdoms of this world are returned to Christ from having been the kingdoms of Lucifer. And we see that in the book of Revelations, uh, chapter 13, uh, in verse 7, and I read this last week, but I want to em emphasize it again before I get into this other readings. <coughs> Excuse me. It was given unto him, meaning, meaning Lucifer, the dragon, uh, to make war with the saints. 
and to overcome them. And power was given unto him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. Now a person says, oh, how can that be? How can he have power, you know, like that? Well, that's because the world is going to start having a changeover, but this doesn't happen till the fulfillment of, of Psalms 105 when the, the, the thousand generations have been completed, which ties in to the book of, of Daniel, uh, you know, and the things that, that it says in chapter 9, and also some references in chapter 7. And so when we begin to see this, when we begin to count this, when we begin to put this into perspective, and when this writing, writing begins to be known, now, now, sometimes Jesus Christ would like to write in our hearts as was written into the heart of David. But there is just nobody available. <clears throat> and so when a whole crowd of people are out there, and there's not one of them that he could write in their hearts because of their intent and their sin and their state of trespassing, then he has to just write on the ground like he did when they were trying to set up a case to kill this woman. He wrote on the ground. And that was sufficient uh, to be able to make it work. Okay, so that, that, is, that is the story. And we want to get that down and we want to get you to understand that because everything ties into everything in this Word of God. But one last thing we'll read in there to sort of answer a question for someone who recently asked me. Verse 8, and we're in chapter 13. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life. And this is what we have preached about now for years, excuse me, <coughs> preached about for years that uh, there's going to be a new people come forth that uh, do not have souls. Their name's never been written in the Lamb's book of life. They are not part of the fallen angels. And, and they're going to fill the earth. The, the Bible says the, the, the gods will fill the earth from uh, the east to the west, from the north to the south, and 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 there will be other entities also, and uh, <clears throat> they're they're going to all of them uh, be into into Satan worship. Uh, so there is going to be a time, uh, and there has been in the past, in which there are two different kinds of people living on this earth, and and that is uh, just no question or doubt the way that it is. All right, now uh, I was going to do some uh, study on angels uh, uh, and some revelations from Schofield and so forth uh, uh, from um, Dr. Uh, Schofield, but we'll, we'll, Lord willing, we'll have to save that till next week. And let's get right in right now to the story of Adam. And let's pick up, uh, you know, where we left off. Uh, we read that, uh, we've had so many people call and say, oh, that was so beautiful. Uh, this is from the book, from the Holy Manifest and the chapter, Who Are the Marshals? <coughs> so let's go on with this story uh, now about uh, the, 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 uh, the dragon and the work that he had done uh, and how that he uh, had set up his, his uh, places uh, to be uh, places of enchantment and be able to put um, to cast a spell of trance um and satan built uh the dragon like a uh, dragon like tower very high on the mountain so that all who looked upon it would be awed by its size and beauty and here's where we left off that we left off there <clears throat> therefore 
After this manner was the garden of, of the gods, the garden of Eden. On the west side were the forest, waters, and plantings of Satan, and the uh, angels in the midst of the garden, where the tree of stone and the image of the dragon stood. But on the east side of the of of on the east side of the garden were the forest, the waters, and the plantings of the captain of the host and of the cherubim angels, to the midst of the garden where the crystal pyra stood. So it was that there were three mountains in the midst of the garden, the twin mountains and the mountain of the white rock. <clears throat> now the image of the dragon had seven faces, seven tails, and was studded with jewels of every kind of gold and silver. And Satan planted... Satan planted, and this is so important, uh, exotic trees with intoxicating aromas and, and uh, strange fruits where smells and taste stirred human emotions. After Satan had left <coughs> the presence of the cherubim, Adam said unto them, Who is this beautiful and powerful person? Now, that's Adam asking the question about Lucifer, Satan. Then the angel prevail said, Think not of Satan as beautiful. For beneath his sparkling personality lies a deadly snake. Rather think of Satan as father death, for therein is Un's power. So the angels taught Adam to beware of Satan and forbade Un to communicate with him. Now someone will say, well, if if you know, if if Adam, as you have have shown us from Luke, <clears throat> is the son of God, why didn't he just know all these things? Well, that's because when you go from angel into the human body, you lose the memory. It's 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 the compression of of, of memory in the spirit that is just so compressed it's not able to. Uh, uh, immediately and sometimes and some people never to enter into uh, the thinking process of, of the memory of, of the human brain and uh, <clears throat> that's very very important to have that down and have that understanding uh, and how that all ties into the Bible scriptures I've taught you over the years you know about that this particular place on earth that we live is, is a place of lost memories okay now, it goes on. <coughs> let me let me read. Um, so the angels taught Adam to beware of Satan be, and and forbade him to communicate with Satan. Okay, and it came to pass in the course of time that the Gihon people, and these are those four rivers that 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 came out of one river that went through the the um, the garden east came out the other side <coughs> they came to worship the image of satan in the west part of the garden this is the gaihan people of eden and adam was curious because of the gaihan for un could could see them afar off but spoke not to them because of the words of the angels and the angels continued to instruct adam day by day and they showed uh, un the crystalline lattice structures by which every creature, plant, and element can be identified. So lattice uh, uh, images, crystalline lattice structures 
of every creature and plant was taught to Adam. That's how he would be able to name them, because he knew these lattices. And they taught him the frequencies of the waves of rays, whereby everything has its own characteristic. And Adam was shown acceleration and deceleration of matter, conversion of energies, and the interchange of properties one upon the other. <clears throat> and they taught Adam by the prisms, the spectrum of the elements of matter, to know by color and by structure uh, that which was uh, edible and that which was not. So there is a secret in this, in the wholesomeness of understanding foods, that there is a spiritual way that you can understand, <coughs> excuse me, there's a spiritual way in which you can understand what is edible in the sense of being food that is good for your body, good for your mind, good for your life. And there is in the Holy Manifest a section that is on on food and 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 uh, on the different health levels of the different kinds of food, and someday we will get into that because it is quite the revelation. That's future. Okay. <coughs> Adam was showing um, uh, uh, the interchange of properties one upon the other, and they taught Adam by the prisms the spectrum of the elements of matter, to know the, the, by color and by structure that which was edible and that which was not. Furthermore, they taught uh, un of the wheels of the atoms and of the wheels of the cycles of nature. Thereby, by the wisdom of knowledge of these instructions, the ears of Adam were opened to hear and to understand of the plants and the trees and the language of animals, birds, and reptiles. And, and the angels taught Adam the genealogies of the plants and the animals. Then angels tested Adam to see if Un could name the plants and the animals according to the knowledge of the crystal structures, the wave frequencies, the spectrum, the genealogy, and the cycles. Thus Adam named every plant, uh, a tree, and vegetable, and every animal, bird, and reptile of which the angels questioned him. So it was Adam knew and understood that Un's cycle spectrum crystallized structure and genealogy um, was like unto uh, was not like unto any of the plants. He understood that his own uh, cycle spectrum crystallized plaster, uh, crystalline uh, structure and genealogy was not like unto any of the other plants, animals, or orders of humankind. This was because Adam was accelerated beyond any other human. So it was. The, um, the angels taught Adam how that the generations of humankind from the first types of humans to Adam came about after each order as, as follows. In the emerging processes of, of uh, generations and in the symbol form, there came forth a warm-blooded sea and, and land creature called Morans. The Morans had long hind legs and short forelimbs. The hind feet were webbed, but the, but the forelimbs were not. The flesh of the Morans was uh, scaled <coughs> on the underside of their bodies, not as fish have scales, uh, uh, but as hardened skin. But wings uh, covered their backs. With their wings they swam and flew by leaps upon the water. 
The Morans had uh, advanced brains for their day and were vicious creatures uh, feared in the waters and on the land. Uh, their sting came from the wings, uh, came from their wings and from their tails and was deadly. And they killed for pleasure as well as for food. Their teeth were like at the teeth of lions. It came to pass in the course of time that huge burning meteorites fell from the heavens into the waters of the sea, poisoning the water where the Morans lived. Although many Morans were killed, some Morans escaped and dwelt upon the land. In the process of time, there came forth a new type of creature from the Morans. These creatures were called Pison. The Pison creature uh, did not have the wings as the Moran had wings, but they had webbed skins uh, uh, from the waist of their body to their forelimb. Their skin, now these were the Pison creatures, not the Pison humans. They they were the prelude. So they had web skin as a bat from the waist to their bodies to their forelimbs. Their skin was covered with a feathery type of hair. The Pison creatures lived in trees and on the land. They could not fly, but the web skins gave them good balance in the trees. Behold, the Pison were evil creatures, for they were possessed, even as some of the Morans were possessed, by devils. <clears throat> Understand, when a spirit possesses another spirit being, it is known as a second position. In such cases, the possessing spirit is still able to retain its memory, because their continuous possession by demons... Uh, because of their of their continuous possessing 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 by demons, the cherubim angels sterilized the Python creatures with radiation that they might not reproduce their kind. However, the cherubim um, latitude to advancements the embryos of the pregnant females. In the process of time, the latitudeing of genes of the Python creatures came from the Python humans. A, Read that again. In the process of time, out of the latitudinal genes of the Python creatures came the Python human, a primitive animal-like human that fed off the roots, bugs, and insects. The Python human walked erect with a slight uh, hunkering and had hands and feet without the webs of the Python creature. The Python human had high animal-type intelligence but low intelligence on the scale of uh, modern humans. Now understand... <coughs> Some of these creatures, including dinosaurs, as we've told you, were the creations of, of Lucifer Satan. And so when, when the fifth uh, generation day was over, the good angels had to get involved to help uh, change uh, some of these uh, demonic implants. And, and which in the 13th chapter of Matthew, uh, they're described as tares planted by the children of, of uh, Satan. And uh, <coughs> so this is what this is all about. Hold on just a minute. <coughs> okay, here we go. So it's, it's such an interesting story, but just hang and hold. There's, there's some really neat stuff here. And, and I just really want you to get this. <clears throat> okay, um, in the course of time, there branched out of the races of the Pison human, 
the Gaihan, a small human with high intelligence. But the demons possessed many of the Gaihan people, therefore they were called serpent, Nahash people, by the cherubim. And many, uh, after many periods of time, a branch of humanity uh, issued forth from the Gaihan called the Hedekel. Uh, some of the Hedekel were giants. The demons also possessed some of the Hedekel people, and there was strife and war between the evil Hedekel and the good Hedekel people. Then the seraphim separated the good Hedekel, and they migrated to uh, other parts of the land. In the course of time, the cherubim called these people the Hedekel Euphrates people. From these people, the cherubim, cherubims chose Anar, uh, Anar uh, and Dorsa, that's A-N-A-R and Dorsa, D-O-R-S-A, to birth the body of Adam, uh, as dis- described in the 16th chapter of, um, of Ezekiel. For a body house uh, for Yaviel. Adam was the beginning of the, new Euph- uh, of the true Euphrates people. Therefore, all uh, Euphrates people who were to come would be descendants of Adam and their bodies would be destined to provide body shelters for those failed uh, messengers, the fallen angels. Consequently, because all the Ophan angels had aura souls, <clears throat> that status would be passed on to every newborn Euphrates person. These, But these angels, being in first position similitudes in their bodies, did not remember their prior estate. And this, again, is the story of the angels that take bodies, but they don't remember that they were once angels. Excuse me. <coughs> okay, we'll go on here. Thank you. All right. Um, after many periods of time, a branch of humanity uh, humanity issued forth from the guy hunt called the Hedekel. We read that. Okay, uh, let's skip on down here. Uh, therefore, all Euphrates people who were to come would be descendants of Adam, and their their bodies would be destined to provide uh, body shelters for those failed uh, messengers, the fallen angels. Consequently, uh, the fallen angels. Consequently, because all Ophan, Ophan angels had aura souls, that status would be passed on to every newborn Euphrates person. So if you get this thing, that there was the these people called the Hittical, um, uh Euphrates. They weren't pure Euphrates people, and and this is, but they were the good Hittical and Euphrates, and uh, they were the ones that uh, from out of which Anar and Dorsa came. Then after. Abraham was born, and, and his progeneration, uh, progenity began. Uh, then it became the straight Euph- Euphrates. And this in the book of, of, of Ezekiel, or pardon me, in the book of um, Revelation, describes uh, the four angels that are bound in the river Euphrates. Uh, and so it's just an incredible, beautiful story once the invisible Bible of it is opened. Okay, let's keep moving because there's some neat stuff here. <clears throat> to get into. Therefore, all Euphrates people who were to come would be descendants of Adam, and their bodies would be destined to provide body shelters to those failed messengers, the fallen angels. Consequently, because all Ophan angels had aura souls, that status would be passed on to every newborn Euphrates person. 
but those uh, but these angels being in first uh, position similitudes in their body did not remember their prior state therefore because Adam was the first human with an aura soul of all uh, of all humankind there was not found an appropriate companion for Adam among the other type of humans then the countenance of Adam fell and and Un said to the to the angels this knowledge is too much for me. I am alone, and there is none other like unto me. Then the angels counseled together and said, It is not good for Adam to be alone any longer. The plan must now continue. It's time to bring forth the good seed unto redemption. After this manner, after this manner were Adam's physical characteristics. When Adam was born, there appeared no outside manifestation of male or female organs, for the flesh was tight and the small opening was not seen. When his parents discovered this, they feared for their lives, for the, for the custom of the Hittichel was to kill the child and, and the parents of any, any child that appeared unusual or deformed in any way. <coughs> now it mentions this in the Septuagint. And uh, it's, it's very, very interesting. Uh, we won't have the time to do that right this minute. Now, the, the male organ and the scrotum were recessed within the cavity of the small opening. As Adam uh, grew, the opening grew. But the male organ remained within the cavity, and Adam possessed chromosomes and hormones of both male and female. Uh, but the male chromosomes dominated the muscular features of Un's androgynous body. It came to pass in the course of time that the angels spoke to the subconscious mind of Adam, and as, Adam, as, and, and as Adam slept, uh, Adam dreamed, and Adam saw himself planting a seed, and the seed grew and became a plant. And the plant appeared as many of the other plants of the garden, but in the course of time it budded, and the bud bloomed into a magnificent flower. As Adam admired the flower, it became uh, the face of a beautiful female, and the flower spoke to Adam soothing words. So it was as Adam slept, the seed of Un's uh, spurn came forth from the recessed male organ within himself, and by the Holy Spirit uh, was enfolded uh, was, uh, was enfolded of itself with the ovum. Thus Adam's chromosomes were fused together within, and Adam became pregnant with child. When the time of birth was near, Elohim angels put Adam into a deep sleep, and as Un slept, the opening of Un's flesh widened, and the child came forth. As the child came forth through the opening, the recessed male organ also came out, and the opening in the flesh of Adam's body was closed by the male organ that came out instead thereof. <coughs> okay. Um, and in, in, in Genesis 2.22, and, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man uh, when he made wo woman, uh, the rib means from the side thereof, and this is talking about the recessed uh, uh, male organ of of Adam, and that was the rib that from the side thereof that was used to make the woman. Uh, and Adam said, "This is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, for she came out from me." That's in the Bible. Read it for yourself. She came out from me. 
And it doesn't say a, a, a rib came out for me. It said she came out for me, which is the whole entity, the whole person, the whole body as a baby. She came out for me. And she shall be called woman because she came out of man. She, she shall be called woman because she came out of man. And it came to pass when the woman grew to a certain age that the angels took the woman to train her and instruct her. And Adam saw her not for several years. However, in the course of time, the angels brought the woman as a fully developed female into Adam to see what he would say. So it was that Adam saw her and remembered his dream of the flower. And the face of the woman was the face in the flower. And Adam loved her. And he called her name Eve and prophesied to Eve, You shall become the mother of all living that have aura souls. And for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and shall cling uh, to his wife and she to him. Thus Adam and Eve became man and wife. And the angels rejoiced at the marriage of Adam and Eve. And Gabriel said, You are wonderfully made in the image of God's plan. For the mighty I am, the mighty I am has ordained by the sound on the destiny of this moment. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with aura soul people, that humankind may be replenished by those that have aura souls. Subdue the earth and take dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that has life upon the earth. Genesis 1.28, MIV. And the Lord has given you every herb bearing seed and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you shall be for meat. Genesis one twenty nine MIV. For out of the ground the Lord has made the seed to grow uh, every tree that is pleasant to the sight uh, and good for food. The tree of life is also the, in the garden as well as the tree of good and evil. Of, the, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the trees of the garden west you shall not eat. Now we see by the Bible that both the tree of life and, and, and both the the tree of good and evil were right there in the garden just as we say in but this was this divide as we showed you uh the last week or two uh, of of the the east uh of east eden and there was west eden and then there was the garden which had an east garden and there was a west garden and and so the west garden was the gaihan people that represented this you know, on the right, on the the middle dividing, the, the, the tree of good and evil knowledge. Then just right at that same middle dividing, but on the, the side toward the east garden was the tree of life. Understand the fruit of the trees of the garden of the east and the west are edible fruits, but the fruits of the garden east are healthy foods for, for that the body shall savor and nourish, whereas the fruits of the garden west are fruits of toxic mind-benders that will disorientate your intelligence. Therefore know that while the, both types of trees bear uh, forth fruits of a physical nature for the human physical uh, for the for the physical human, the fruits of the garden west are not harmonious to your bodies. Um, Genesis 2.17. I'm interpreting this paragraph uh, from the scripture, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Obviously, uh, showing that it was not a healthy food. And the day wasn't a 24-hour period, of course. You have seen the trees of fire, the burning tree that burns the fruits of the light of life, and the burning tree that burns the fruit of the light of good and evil of knowledge. 
These trees are for food, foods for the spirit. But but of the fruit of the tree of the good and evil knowledge, you must not touch nor eat its fruits. For in the day that you do so, you will die. However, of the tree of life, you may eat of it after you obtain proper accelerations. Genesis 2.17, interpreting the paragraph, For in the day that thou eatest thereof, uh, of uh, uh, you know, uh, on the negative tree, thou shalt surely die. Uh, obviously, then on the other tree, it was the opposite of that. So there was a, there was a time of when when that would happen. Okay, so we're going to uh, we're going to stop right there on that part of it. That uh, that's really quite uh, a beautiful part of the uh, story of Adam. And uh, now we're going to. Uh, get into the sat- satanic uh, part. Uh, we read uh, we read uh, some very interesting things to you, uh, a, uh, you know, on on uh, from from the time to plant, uh, and and uh, how that you know Satan uh, was um, had capability as 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 a, a lawyer, and uh, and then we we read to you about his uh, uh, about uh, Michael. Uh, of the seraphim uh, judges, and we're talking the white throne uh, judgment that it mentions of in Revelations, and how that he made a case against uh, uh, Lucifer and and the different uh, uh, laws of the angels that he broke. We read that to you last week. You people that missed that, you can go into the archives and, and get last week's uh, Teaching, which was uh, uh, the book uh, uh, of the war, uh, lost, uh, the lost book of the wars, uh, part ten, and uh, and you can read that uh, that overview and and uh, you know uh, all those all those aspects. Okay, so uh, and remember that 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 the total the real judgment of Lucifer cannot really happen until the the uh, white throne judgment. And the white throne judgment uh, has has just not not happened. Uh, so uh, now, um, after all of this uh, judgment that has been rendered uh, by the opinion of Michael, the, the archangel of the seraphim, uh, Lucifer renders a legal uh, statement of of uh, of his defense, and Lucifer Satan. And, uh, and, he, and makes an appeal to the white throne of the Holy Commission. The Holy Commission representing the seven uh, uh, spirits of God that it mentions in Revelations and in other places. Uh, it's just really, really interesting. And then this is the pleadings. Now, don't take this wrong. Don't take this that we're trying to make an excuse or a, a positive case for Lucifer, this is all received from the Spirit, but it's showing you that that as that as the Bible says in the Old Testament, that Lucifer, you know, uh, you know, was a cherub, and and you know he he represented the sum of of all knowledge, and and he was a very high and powerful angel with incredible knowledge. So now he's making his case, and he's appealing to the white throne of the Holy Commission. And he says in his pleadings, I, Lucifer, plead innocent of all charges and judgments which are pending against me, as such actions, judgments and claims, were not congruent to the universal codes and laws as set forth by the holy laws of universal covenants. 
Therefore, I, Lucifer, and my legions plead for mercy and justice that said prejudice statement, uh, such prejudice judgment be set aside and a motion be rendered uh, wherefore all titles and powers and authorities be reinstated to me and my followers. Okay, now uh, uh, we, we have got to uh, get into this aspect of, um, of where um, the presentation of, uh, you know, of Lucifer uh, is made and for what, what is his case, how that, uh, you know, he, he uh, renders his case in such a way that uh, uh, he is not, uh, uh, in his opinion, guilty. And um, uh, I want to read that to you probably next week when uh, I can read, you know, the whole thing without running out of time uh, because um, it, it, it is so much better to have a congruence uh, and, and have it so that, uh, uh, you know, every, every, everyone can hear it in its, its, uh, its total rendering from that, from that sense. So we'll just leave that little part there for you. Uh, to understand that Lucifer does make a case and that, like, for instance, one of the things that he says is that I was uh, forced to come down into, into the subduction zones and I was, um, I was um, uh, perforated with all of this uh, sub subduction activity and, and uh, the, the legal restrictions that were put on me when I had not yet even been uh, uh, by, the, by the court of the White Throne Judgment uh, condemned uh, was uh, not uh, legal. And because, because the White Throne Judgment had not, had not rendered me as guilty, and therefore being subject to all of these kind of subductions, uh, that put me into a role and a nature of doing things by being affected by the subduction zone and and uh, because of that being affected by the subduction zone that I was forced to go into prior to having even been been um, uh, you know even being condemned by 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 the by the seven judges of the white throne uh, judgment by the by the holy commission and therefore because that was the case uh the things that i did i should not be uh i should not be uh, accounted for and the things that those that you call my demons which were my angels did should not be uh, congruent against them either so i'll get more into that uh next week as i <clears throat> read his whole case presentation which you will find incredibly incredibly uh interesting um it, it appears that I might have just a little bit of time here yet that I could go back onto this thing with uh, the angels that I <coughs> didn't realize I would have time to get into and because I am making this decision that I don't want to start uh, really getting into that defense of, of Lucifer without having all the time that I need. So I'll be able to, like next week, just start that right off almost at the beginning. Um, I want to talk about, you know, like uh, a quote by... Um, uh, C. I. Schofield, uh, Doctor Divinity. He was a Baptist uh, 
minister, but a very, you know, uh, well-taught uh, person and, and uh, high education of theology. And um, uh, he began to, you know, uh, uh, translate some understandings of Second Samuel fourteen twenty, and uh, and of uh, you know uh, uh, Psalms one hundred and three uh, twenty, and uh, Psalms one hundred and four four of the Old Testament, and um, the expression the angel of the Lord, uh, sometimes of God. Uh, usually applies the presence of deity uh, in the angelic form. And he began to realize this. And especially, I give you these scriptures, you can be studying this. We'll get into uh, you know, additional detail on it. But Genesis 16, 1, and uh, uh, through 13. Genesis 21, 17 through 19. Genesis 22, 11 through 16. Genesis 31, 11 through 13, Exodus 3, 2 through 4, Judges 2, uh, 1, um, Judges 6, 11 through 16, uh, 13, uh, 3 through 22. Uh, these particular uh, descriptions of angels uh, are distinguished uh, in Scripture from uh, most all other descriptions of angels referred to in the Old Testament. Um, uh, for instance, uh, compare Genesis 48:16 and Exodus 14:19 and Numbers 22:22, 22, 22, Second Kings 19:35, Isaiah 63:9, Zechariah 1:12 and 12:8, uh, because uh, you know there are places where it actually tells that he is named the Angel of the Lord, which means uh, Yahweh or as some would call him, uh, Yaviel, uh, when they're not straight on the difference of using the J or using a Y, or as we call him, Yaviel, uh, Genesis 16, 7. Uh, the angel of God, Genesis 21, 17. Uh, the angel of God's presence, Isaiah 63, 9. And probably the messenger angel of the covenant, Malachi 3, 1, uh, is clearly identified with the Lord himself in his self-manifestation to men. And so we begin to see here that even people like Schofield, you know, he came to this point where he began to realize you can't just turn out these scriptures. You can't just dump them. It is very, very clear that, 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 that Yaviel is described as an angel. And when he came in his ministry and in his work, uh, he came as an angel and that was his title and his definition. So in the New Testament, when it talks about the the rapture, it talks about you know th that that um, that there will be uh, a sound of the trumpet, and and uh, that uh, that uh, Yaviel, uh, you know, will 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 be involved in this connection to people and it makes it very clear that he himself he himself uh will will uh give the voice of the sound of an angel he himself and and so we see this archangel connection uh you know that 
puts this angel of the of the Lord, uh, the presence of the angel of the Lord, and and puts all these scriptural references that are just you know stacked like a pile of pancakes, uh, one complementing the other, and, and and the serp of the message that we're giving you now is is this importance uh, of you know what is man that thou art mindful of him and why would Yahweh come and take on you know uh, an angel form and then minister to the humans and 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 then why would he come then and take uh, actually a human body uh, he chose not in this case to take on the body of an angel which he had done before but in this case to take on the offspring of the body like of, of Abraham because he wanted to be able to be tested in like uh, temptation as the humans were and he wanted to be able to bear their sins he could not bear their sins if he came in an angelic body uh, because there would be no genetic reference but by taking on their sins he was able to do that when he took on their body and that way he became their brother and and as a brother he could have the power uh, according to the old uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomic law uh, you know to redeem them that was part of the Deuteronomy law to be able to redeem you know your relatives and 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 so this redemption then was all tied in uh, to having the power to redeem us humans uh, by having taken on the, the human genetics and by overcoming them. That's why we do this teaching of trans-assimilation in which we take on uh, all of this work that Jesus Christ has done and, and is in his blood and we trans-assimilate the works and the aspects of that blood by the trans-assimilation uh, uh, understanding so that, so that all of that work is done for us and, and now we can just go on with these other uh, works of God and, and with being concerned and caring about other ophanims who are fallen and who are caught in the web net of some of these bodies that have uh, very crude genetics. And, and uh, as we move forward and forward into the process of time, uh, we will get more and more into the enlightenment. Uh, we have that knowledge now, but we'll be able to spread it as as additional part of the gospel in which people will be able to change their lattices and we'll be able to come into this incredible revelation. I'll try to tell you more about that, God willing, next week. God bless you, dear people. We do love you. We do pray for all of you out there who have physical bodies that need healing. We do ask God, who loves you, to reach down this very moment over this broadcast, to reach down and to heal you, and to be so gentle and tender with you, and to give you endurance so that you can endure until the end. God bless you. God bless you so much. Until next week, this is Jerry Lee, The Manifestor.